Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for episode 81, where I sit down with a 16-year-old entrepreneur, author, activist, Megan Chen. She is the founder and executive director at the Urban Garden Initiative, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's aiming to inspire and empower youth to achieve urban sustainability through a gardening-based program. Really fascinating young gal. I'm excited you guys listen in on this episode. Uh, Go check them out online. Theurbangardeninitiative.org is where you can find all their details. Um, Let's jump right into the episode. I'm excited for you guys to hear Megan's story and some of the things she's trying to do to impact the world. So without further ado... Let's jump into my chat today with Megan Chen. Let's get it started. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk with you. Um, I am really intrigued by what you're trying to accomplish with this. So I'm excited to dive in and, and kind of pull back some layers on it. Um, let's start here just for folks listening in that have no idea of what this initiative is, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. Can you give maybe like the 30 second kind of the elevator pitch, you know, that you're going down in about the Urban Garden Initiative and, and kind of what it's about? Mm-hmm. So the Urban Garden Initiative, we're a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Um, and what we aim to do is inspire and empower youth to achieve urban sustainability through the gardening-based program. Um, so we launch at a series of like schools and community centers and we host these workshops that discuss like a variety of environmental topics from like climate change to food sustainability. Um, and then we also help the schools to start a container garden and learn more about urban gardening in general. And now just to get on the record, how old are you? I'm 16. <laughs> so you are, by, by the way, you, 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 take the, uh, you take the award of the youngest individual guest that I've had on. I, I've had the Fennell family with a couple of the younger kids that are authors and stuff that were really cool. But yeah, you're the youngest individual guest. So kudos to you for that, if that's anything. Um, but I, the reason I was so intrigued when I got introduced to you was that you're 16 and you're trying to change the world and do this stuff that you think is powerful. And it just kind of goes to show that age is just a number. You can kind of do it. There's no, there's no really, um, you know, kind of lid, so to speak on the age, whether you're old or young. So I want to get into that a little bit. Um, tell me about just, you know, and, and as much as you can remember, I don't remember much before I was probably like nine, but um, tell me about your upbringing a little bit. Tell me about your family and, and you know, parents or, you know, tell, my, my curiosity is around what led you to this at 16. Was that part of your upbringing? Is that just you took this kind of on your own? Share a little bit of that with the audience. Yeah, so I'm trying to think right now if I had to do that all with my upbringing, I guess maybe. Um, so like both of my parents were immigrants. Um, I was originally born in Canada um, and at a really young age, we moved to Boston and then right, I live in Delaware now. Um, I guess my parents definitely always allowed me to like be creative and explore a variety of different interests. Like they didn't try to zone me into only, you know, going into a specific major or something like that. So I've always been a pretty creative person, I guess. Um, And then in terms of like how, at like what age I kind of got into like business and like entrepreneurship and that kind of thing. I'm thinking more like middle school. I remember our school had like a kind of business pathway of sorts and we had to 
one year we had to like create our own business and I created like this cookie business. Um, <laughs> and that got me into it and it was a really fun, fun process. Um, I'm trying to think of there's anything else that kind of could have tied into what I do now. I mean, I've always been pretty curious, um, like exploring a variety of things. Um, and in terms of like the urban garden initiative, I've always loved gardening at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of cookies? What were what? What kind of won you the award there? <laughs> I did. It was called colorful cookies, um, and I did like rainbow cookies, <laughs> um, and they were like unicorn poop. <laughs> oh really? Okay. I, yeah, I so remember. Some creative, yeah, creative yeah, mix to it, if you will. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing that makes me curious, and this is why I'm prying into this a little bit, because there are a lot of people that are listening to this that are, you know, they're, they're maybe your age or a little older, they're in their 30s, some are older than that. And one of the things, you know, I have a seven-year-old, and one of the things that's really intriguing now is I try to get him to read more about entrepreneurship and just about the world, different than I ever had access to. So my curiosity around, you said when you were in middle school, you started this kind of, you had this competition, this cookie business that was the idea. Had you ever, like, did you explore like, oh, that'd be cool to have this business or, hey, I picked up that book or I Googled this. Like, did you, were you exposed to that prior to that middle school project? Or is that just something when you saw that it was kind of an aha moment? Like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So I guess one thing that I've definitely noticed is that a lot of times, like as we get older, we spend more time, you know, researching and like really thinking so much before really like diving into anything. But at a young age, it was just like, oh, I'm really interested in this. I have this passion for this and I'm just going to create something around it. It's not like a, oh, I'm going to spend, um, you know, this X amount of time first researching if this is going to be successful or not. It's just really based on intuition. Um, so I guess before starting like my cookie business, there really, it was just, you know, I really like baking and it was something I wanted to do. And I just put the two and two together and created it. Um, but with like the urban garden initiative, well, I did spend a lot more time in the planning stages. Again, it was identifying a passion and an interest and then kind of going off of that. Now, and one, by the way, you just summed up like the just get started kind of like mentality right there in that statement. So awesome that you did that. Like you just got to jump in and you figure it out as you go along. Don't overanalyze. Um, did you have, like, did you garden yourself then? Did you, you said you like cooking and stuff, but did you guard, like in terms of the garden initiative, is that the reason it was kind of like a scratch your own itch? Like, Hey, I like doing this. This has got to be something that could be cool for other kids and, and schools and those type of things. Yeah. So I've always been really interested in gardening. Like when I was really young, um, where I live, like we didn't have a ton of space to do like a full scale, like urban garden or just like garden in general. So I did container gardening. Um, and that's kind of what helped to tie into like the container gardening we now do. Um, but in terms of like the backstory of Tugi, it was actually because where I live, I live really near a food desert, which is just like an area where there's a really limited access of healthy fruits and vegetables um, for a lot of the residents. So it was combined, it was like a combination of me loving to garden and wanting to teach um, the community about how they can grow their own food, even if there's a lack of access to that healthy food. And so let's talk about kind of starting this, this nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Do you 
did you approach your parents and say, hey, got this idea? Um, or did you just kind of go out and research yourself and just figure out how to kind of go into it? I'm curious what path you took. I definitely did a more individual path. So like freshman year of high school, I you know started researching and learning more about the, this food desert problem, learned a little bit about it in school, but um, wanted to do more research on like on my own. Um, and so for like the past, before I started the Urban Garden Initiative, I actually launched like several smaller projects around food desert, food sustainability, food waste. Um, and those never really took off, but they helped me learn a lot. Um, and then like last year I actually went to, so like Wilmington, Delaware, which is like where the food desert, the central place is, um, and just like interviewed people within Wilmington to get more of like a firsthand perspective of the problem that they deal with. Um, and then I guess, so last year I was also part of this like competition called Diamond Challenge, which is like a huge entrepreneurship competition for high schoolers. Um, and then we got pretty far in the competition. And one of the cool things about it was they helped you learn a little bit more about how to like register a business or a nonprofit. Um, so I combined all the research knowledge that I gained with this new opportunity and then this summer, I went through the whole like legal process of first getting registered at the state level as a corporation, and then um, obviously at the federal level, getting that 501c3 status. And what any hurdles that you'd share, maybe a tip for someone else that's kind of looking at that, something to avoid, I guess, to make it easier on them? Um, yeah, I guess one of the main things, and I feel like I say this all the time, but it really is like, don't be afraid to fail. Um, or like, it's not necessarily like a setback in terms of when it comes to like entrepreneurship, like you're the first thing that you create usually isn't going to be like the most successful. I mean, sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's just like a learning block or a learning step. And for me, that definitely was the case, but then you learn a lot from that and then you move on and then you learn to get like better and better. And then also one thing would be just like to share your idea with share your ideas with others. Um, a lot of times, especially when I first got started, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my idea. You know, this is like solely mine. I can't tell anybody about it or someone's going to steal it. But you learn a lot from sharing your ideas with others and getting their perspective. And then they can help you to make it better. They can help you to connect it, connect with other people. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've learned in the journey of thus far. Well, you actually make a good point there. Maybe I'll uh, I'll sit on that for a second because you know one of the things it's and, I, and I've even learned this. It's not so much, or, or or it is. I mean, I guess that hey, I don't want anyone else to take this idea. But it's also I found it's the fear of the letdown. Oh, if I don't go forward with the idea, now people are going to think I'm a failure, or they're going to think that oh, I'm just you know I'm just saying things and I'm not executing on them. In in the reality that you can pivot and you can change. So I think having that vulnerability that, hey, you know, it's okay to share it with other folks. Just know that, hey, I might not go forward with the idea. I'm just trying to get, you know, insight and maybe their advice or their perspective or whatever, how that could help me. So I think there's kind of two-pronged approach on that. Um, it's mm -hmm. more that fear that a lot of people, I think, they sit in um, instead of going forward. Now, let me ask this. So you have this idea, you go through the whole you know, 501c3 process. Uh, by the way, tell me about like from a funding standpoint, like did that cost a lot to get the 501c3, getting lawyers involved and stuff like that? 
Yeah, so I mean, it can, it really, I think it depends from state to state. So luckily for us, what happened was, again, the competition that I was a part of, um, being like one of the semifinalists, they offered us like a little mini grant um, to get that all started. So they covered like those initial costs of um, getting registered at like the state and federal level. But I think it, honestly, I don't, because for us it was obviously covered i don't know for normally how much it is but i think it's around like four hundred dollars but again i think that depends on like state to state okay gotcha so now do you have a couple of these the the gardens already being utilized or kind of worked on at certain schools yeah so obviously our program's fairly new since we just launched it this fall but just this fall, we've already probably reached around like 10 or so schools and community centers in my area, reached around like 400 to 500 students, um, which I think is like pretty great for just starting off. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Now, what, yeah. so what happens with that? So is it like you'd approach a school and they'll say, hey, we want to have a garden here or we want this curriculum. Can you explain to that if someone's listening to that and they have a, a kid in school or they work at a school or they want to get their community involved, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so at least in my local area, what we've done is I usually do a lot of like the contacting in terms of just like, sometimes it's just like a cold email um, to schools, but with some of the other projects and things I've been involved with, some, I know like some teachers in the local area. And then also there's like a whole nutrition branch sometimes for like a school district. And by reaching out to like one of them, they know like a ton of schools like within the school district and then just like connect from there honestly but then i think in terms of one of our future goals or later steps is we want to start doing like chapters in other states or other areas where they want to teach schools in that area um but we haven't really gotten that started yet but that's definitely a goal that we want to have for the future and with the curriculum it's not just about having a garden and and growing vegetables or fruits or whatever but it's actually about sharing um, stories with the kids of like, Hey, this is why it's important to grow this way or why it's sustainable or why it's better for the environment. There's actually a whole class or curriculum. Is that right? Yeah. So we do like our workshops, like are around an hour. Um, and the first part is like this very like interactive educational portion that dives into, you know, very prevalent and current and relevant environmental issues for that area. Um, and then that later gets tied into how gardening. So like for this fall, for example, we did food sustainability and then the gardening ties right into that as like a solution you can implement at school or at home um, to help solve this larger issue. So for folks out there listening that don't, what does food sustainability mean in, in layman's terms? What's, what's that when they hear that term food and sustainability or sustainability by itself, what does that mean? Yeah. So for us, I think, especially within like the food desert, it's, you know, growing your own food so that you have the access to the healthy fruits and vegetables, but it can also mean trying to get local food um, versus having like, you know, a plane deliver your food from, you know, 200 miles away or something and having, and that leading to other negative environmental factors. Um, so I think like food sustainability as a whole was like a really broad and large topic. Yeah. And it kind of goes back. I'm trying to remember what I watched some documentary, but it's kind of that whole, you know, to kind of put it in a different term. Like I think it to make like one um, hamburger patty, it's like 600 gallons of water. 
because yeah. you have to feed the cows and you have to, you know, the, all the, the supplies and, and you have to grow the corn maybe that they're feeding and all that stuff. Like it doesn't get thought about that. Hey, this is actually takes a lot of resources to make one hamburger patty. So in the same light, I think that's the same way as if it's locally sourced, if it's, if it's ethically grown, you know, if there's some things like that, it can actually be way more sustainable for the environment. Um, and just the, the, uh, yeah, our, our human beings as you will as a whole. Um, so, how does this, so one, I guess I'm going to ask why a nonprofit, you could have done this as a for-profit business and had some sort of social impact arm. Why, why was it important for you to do a nonprofit? I think it really boils down to like the group that we're dealing with. We're ultimately number one, it's educating the students. We're working with schools. Um, and I think there's enough that like students have to already, you know, pay for and, you know, do all that. So ultimately it's, we want this to be like a free workshop, free series so that really anyone can be a part of it. Um, and a lot of the schools that we work with are like inner city schools, um, might not have like the budget to, you know, get involved with like a really expensive program or something. And I think this is a topic that needs to reach as many people as possible and not just like one certain group that can afford to learn about the environment. Um, so that's kind of why we went down the nonprofit route. And then was there a second part? Sorry. That no, that's that, that, no, that okay. was, I was just kind of curious of, yeah, because obviously you have that for-profit, you could do a social impact, give stuff away or a nonprofit, right or wrong. It's not, it's not, um, you know, everyone's different in what they want to do. I was just kind of curious why you guys chose that, but that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think it gives the chance to get out there to more folks um, and have that as a broader focus because it is something that needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's just amazing to me of, man, they go, I, I just had, um, this nutritionist on uh, the podcast and, and the same thing. It's like, you know, if, if it's organic, if there's the, you know, try to get it without pesticides, like all these things that are better for us. Well, if we can do that more and we can teach the younger generation, uh, your generation, um, right. That it can only help us as we, as we go along as a, uh, as a species, um, if you will. So, um, let me ask this is I want, on a more of a personal level. Like, tell me about your day. Like, are you in, are you in public school, private school, homeschool? Do you go to school? What's the, tell me about how that works. Um, so it's definitely pretty busy balancing. So I'm a full-time high school student. Um, and I have a pretty rigorous schedule within my high school itself. Like I'm doing like five APs this year or yeah, for APs it's like advanced placement classes. So kind of like college level, those are pretty tricky. Um, and then a lot of times when we have like the environmental workshops, at least in the fall, I've been the person like going to the schools and teaching. So it's that balance of trying not to miss as much school as possible, but also being able to juggle all of these different workshops. And then on days where we don't have that, then it's, I have some other, sometimes some other extracurriculars or just like meetings related to Tugi. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then of course homework and all of that. How do you manage it? Is there any time management type um, skills you've learned or, you know, kind of, I don't want to say tips or tricks, but I guess that's the, my vocabulary. That's the best I can come up with, but anything like that to, to help you kind of stay focused? I mean, first thing that comes to mind would be that I have like three different calendars. <laughs> so I have like one personal calendar. That's like all like the urban garden stuff. Then I have like a, I guess a life journal planner thing that's like other events. And then I have 
a school calendar planner. Um, and so that helps me keep track of like what's going on. And then it's, I guess it's nice to have like one big calendar as a whole, just seeing like what you need to do and like scheduling overall. So I have that. Um, yeah, it's honestly, I'm still trying to figure out too, like balancing everything, especially like junior year of high school, everything gets a little crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just a constant learning process. You know, and my curiosity is around the, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, especially at your age, do you have a lot of friends that are similar to you? Like their entrepreneur and or entrepreneurship is kind of something that is, is important to them or they're focused on, or do you feel like you're kind of different than a lot of people? They're kind of doing the normal high school thing and you're like way out here on this, on this branch. I'm just more curious on um, your thoughts around that. Yeah, I guess it's a yes and no. So within my area and my school, there's really nobody else that's doing like entrepreneurship. And honestly, sometimes I really wish there was because it'd be great to have, you know, my like a community my age that's working towards doing similar things but then also with some other organizations I'm a part of um I was able to like meet youth from all across the country that are kind of entrepreneurial so that was really cool and I'm able to connect with them in that sense but yeah I think having a community in general is like super important so I was happy that I was able to find that like somewhere else even that though it's not like right where I live but yeah, sometimes I definitely wish that there was something like that. Um, I guess one thing though, is that I do live like right near a university. So there's, I have some friends that are in college that are pursuing like business entrepreneurship and there's something there, but still kind of different, like high school versus college. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Is that, have you thought about college or are you gonna, are you gonna go to college or are you not gonna go to college? You're gonna pursue this? Would it, have, have you gotten a lot of thought to it? I've given some thought. I'm still in the college researching process, but I know I do want to go to college. And in terms of major, it's probably going to be like business and entrepreneurship slash like a social impact major if they have that. And then like maybe minoring in environmental science or writing. So a lot of the similar stuff that we do with Tugi and I am going to definitely continue with doing it in college and hopefully go to somewhere that's in a city so that we can continue our work in like a different city than where we focus on right now. Let me ask you this question. There is no right or wrong answer. I'm just, again, my curiosity as someone your age is how you and, and kind of your generation view college. Like, because to me, right, is if you have this initiative and you have this entrepreneurship mind and you have, you know, maybe some resources doing that full time would make sense versus the college, like as the degree matter type thing, because you can learn that other places. So I'm, I'm curious how you guys, you and when I say you guys, like your generation, right, are viewing college because it's a different perspective now than it was, you know, 15 years ago when I was in college. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a person to person thing. I don't want to like group our entire generation because obviously everybody has a different perspective. But for me, why I definitely want to go to college is just to continue learning and growing and get out of the bubble that I guess I've been in um, since I've like lived in Delaware. I've attended a K to 12 school. So I've literally never really been able to branch out in terms of schooling. So I want to live in like a new environment, meet new people. Um, and yeah, just continue learning and growing in college and then 
always still be pursuing something entrepreneurial like in terms of like major but also something on the side always <laughs> that's, that's a, no that's a good answer that's a good answer what about yeah. your what about your learning now you, you mentioned obviously research in this business do you is there any books you read or podcasts you listen to or anything that you know kind of you know helps you on a learning not just around the gardening initiative or nonprofits, but something maybe just totally aside to that I don't think there's necessarily I high school has been so busy honestly that I don't have like a ton of time to just read for fun anymore which I used to love to do and I wish I still could do more of um but I guess in terms of like learning one thing that was and this isn't really like I guess just a resource but for me it was I was a part of this program called like bull school which is like a very like learning uh youth center learning focused like after school program um and i did that freshman year and that taught me like a lot about how like traditional school was like different from like a very like youth driven youth focused type learning and that's another thing that i'm really passionate about is just like changing the narrative changing perspective of like how we view youth and like youth education and how um youth should definitely have more of a voice in terms of how they want to be taught and um, what they are taught. And yeah, I think a lot, I, I think in the most recent years we're shifting and changing to more youth are becoming like entrepreneurs and doing like these cool things. But if we were taught at an earlier age or we were giving youth more of a chance to explore these things, um, then there would be even more youth getting involved in this kind of work. Because a lot of times with like a traditional school, like an eight hour school day, you don't have any more time to like do stuff that you want to do. So if there was like time in school where youth are given a chance to just research something of their own and do something like that, then we probably see it a lot more. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of folks, you know, know this, right? And especially ones that have been in school that, you know, the school system was set up to really drive factory workers and to learn one skill so they can go in the factories 100, 150 years ago. And one of the challenges I have with current schooling, and maybe you do as well if you're getting to that, is it's the same. It hasn't changed much. They've brightened up the schools. You know, they've, they've you know, you know, got some wobbly chairs in there. They've done some different stuff. But the, the same, as you're saying, the six, eight-hour type curriculum, kind of class to class, learning these things, it's what I've noticed, especially with the advent of phones and, and obviously Google and some others, is to take away that memorization, right? That's what I remember doing that in school is always memorization. Well, I have, I don't need that anymore because I have that at the tip of my fingers. Now let's be more creative. Let's give ourselves a chance to think differently, be innovative. Um, you know, some of those things you mentioned earlier, just kind of being able to um, kind of go for it and, and then, you know, sit back and reflect after the fact and not overthink it. So I think that's a, that's a good point and something, yeah, I think will be continued to be addressed as, you know, as the years go on going forward, especially folks your age start pushing that a little bit more than, Hey, wait a minute, is this the really the right way we should be learning? Um, I think that could give a, a voice to it, if you will. Yeah. Um, one, one note I had on here, I want to go back to is, and you've mentioned it briefly, but about kind of the goals vision, what is the, like, how do you scale this? Is, is the goal for, let, let's say a school that's using it now, is this every year you kind of give them the keys as if you will, and they continue to, you know, every year set that garden back up, maybe after winter time and get that going, or do, would you have folks that come in and help them set up year over year? How, how does this scale to be, 
something that could be impactful to thousands of schools and to have it where it's recurring year over year, not just they try it for one year and then, you know, the person that left that was in charge of it all of a sudden, you know, it kind of goes downhill. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's many parts. First thing is that within the school itself, so our program is like year long. So in the fall winter, we have this like fall winter garden and then we come back in the spring and do a whole new environmental topic and help them to start a spring garden. Um, and our goal is that through teaching all of this and doing the gardening that later on in years, they'll be able to continue replicating kind of what we taught them throughout like the first year of doing it. Um, but I think one thing to ensure that people are still being involved and connected is later down the line, possibly doing like larger scale events where all the kids from like these different schools can like bring in their container gardens. And if they have like the produce, we can do like a little cooking demonstration stuff like that. And then in terms of reaching more schools, that's the thing where we want to be able to go into other states and like other areas where like maybe food desert, food sustainability is issue or those areas have other really important environmental issues and have youth there direct like a chapter of the urban garden initiative and then they can reach schools there, they can teach environmental workshops and we want our curriculum to be something that's easily replicable for any that wants to teach these workshops too. Um, and then later down the line, they can like host their events, but they'd be leading like another branch and chapter and hopefully reach more youth, more schools. Yeah. <laughs> Is this your own kind of, you know, kind of baby, if you will, that you're running? Do you have help? Do you have mentors that you can go to for advice on business or anything like that? Yeah. So it's definitely, it's, it's where most of my time, energy and passion goes into, but it's not just like a solo me thing. And I think for, any business like really never I think it's so important to always work with like some type of team like nothing's ever just completely solo so I have like mentors and advisors and then us as an organization we have like a board um and we have like a team of people doing like social media and marketing and we have people that are helping us with like organization and then like grant writing but then I also have mentors from just I guess over the years, like different programs I've done who, or organizations I'm involved with, like if they're a nonprofit, um, they've helped me kind of learn how the nonprofit realm works. And like say dual school, for example, the guy who runs it, like Zach Jones, he's like a mentor for me. Um, he runs obviously dual schools a nonprofit and taught me a lot about how that whole process works. So if someone wants to be a part of this, in terms mm -hmm. of a school or donate, where, where do they go? How do they figure that out? Um, yeah, so our website is just theurbangardeninitiative.org. Um, and then our email is theurbangardeninitiative at gmail.com. So if they wanna just like directly like reach out to me um, on our website, we have like a contact us page and then like a donate page and all of that. So if they want to like start a chapter or just wanna get involved, say hello. It's all on the website. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I got to ask you this question. This is kind of how I end all these interviews. There's no right or wrong answer, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, in your journey through this, maybe it was your cookie business, you know, when you were younger, whatever. You know, I always ask folks if there's one piece of advice that you kind of hold dear to your heart. Maybe it's a quote that you live by that helps inspire you. Maybe it's 
again, something you've heard from, you know, Zach or another mentor, what would you share with the audience? You know, people that are in their journey, they're trying to do things or some that are, you know, maybe haven't gotten started yet, but are in that process and want to anything you'd share to them kind of as a kind of a lasting impression of Megan and, and something they could you know, try out or help them with their journey. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I want to think of like a good last quote. Um, let's see, I guess one thing that comes to mind is that, um, don't be afraid to like explore multiple things that you're passionate about. I think a lot of times like we get kind of, we dive into like one thing, but like this is going to just be like the only thing I'm interested in and we don't really explore anything else. And then like later down the line, we're like, I didn't really like that at all. That wasn't really useful. So like, don't like limit and narrow yourself to like one thing initially, um, explore like a variety of passions and, like learn from like each of them and then that also helps you to make a greater decision of what you truly are interested and passionate about later down the line I think for like me especially like high school students we like you know in college you have to like decide a major or something and like in high school we're like oh we're only going to pursue this one thing you go to college take some classes you're like I really don't know I didn't really like that and then you're like I don't know what I'm going to do anymore because the only thing I've been ever focusing on is this one thing um so that's why I try not to like limit myself to only like one thing that I'm interested or passionate about. Like I try to expand and be broad and yeah, enjoy a lot of things. I think that's wonderful advice for people to, yeah, not get pigeonholed and try out some things and, and see what sticks. Megan, this was an absolute thrill. I'm, I'm inspired by you. I mean, I hope you inspire other, not only just, you know, folks around your age, but actually the older generation as well, this, you know, kind of kicked them into gear. So this is really awesome. I appreciate you taking time out to join on the podcast and good luck to you in your endeavor. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you on the next one. And if I could make one ask of the community, if you did enjoy this one or others, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, give me a rating, let me know how I'm doing. It also gives a chance for this podcast to get bubbled up to more people, more exposure on it, and hopefully help other people on their journeys kind of get to that next level. And go check me out online. BrianaDraco.com is the website. Um, I have the podcast there, blog. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed in the last couple months, what's going on in my world. Um, At worst, it allows my mom to keep tabs on me and make sure I'm doing okay. And feel free to connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at BrianaDraco. Send me a DM. Let me know how you guys are doing, a little bit about your journey. I love to connect with new people and kind of hear what's making them passionate and motivated to reach fulfillment in their life. So I thank you guys again for listening in. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.